Welcome to Fresh Takes on the Future of Work. We are focused on fresh perspectives from business and HR leaders about the future of work. FRESH is an acronym for freedom, resourcefulness, empathy, simplicity, and happiness. Values core to operating in the future of work. We'll tie back to these while exploring interesting stories and actionable ideas. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jess Pagoni. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I am the co-founder and CEO of Luna, a technology for the modern employer, enabling flexibility and choice to meet employees where they are today and in the future. Bottom line, we create alignment between work and life to attract, engage, and retain top talent in today's competitive market. Our guest today is Ron Storn. Ron is the Chief People Officer at Booster, the last mile mobile energy solution for fleets, businesses, and consumers. He has over 20 years experience leading people teams at Fortune 500 companies, including Facebook, Google, and Lyft. Ron's most notable role was leading the people function at Lyft. Joining Lyft in 2013, Ron grew the company from 80 to over 2,000 employees and from a cumulative 1 million rides to 1 million rides per day. Insane. Ron is no stranger to podcasts, often hosted as a guest speaking on topics such as culture, growth, inclusion, and the future of work. Ron, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks, Jess. I'm really honored to be a part of this with you. Excited to talk about the future of work and anything else that comes up. Going to be so much fun. Before we jump into our questions, Ron, can you just share a little bit more about yourself and the work that you do at Booster? Sure, absolutely. I'm kind of interesting how my career path to HR came to be. I actually started my career as a CPA at KPMG back in the day. As all HR people do, right? A hundred percent. HR <laughs> is a lot of folks pivot throughout. And I cut my teeth in tech at Google, which led me to Facebook and then ultimately to Lyft, how you described earlier. And at Booster, what is so fascinating is that we're trying to fuel the new energy transition for mobile fleets. And so the work that we're trying to do is to make sure that we decarbonize all of our customer fleets that we interact with. So like those Amazon vehicles that deliver packages, what we do is we fuel those vehicles in a yard at night. So it's contactlessly. So it saves trips to and from the gas station, which decarbonizes those fleets, as well as the money of paying the drivers to and from those stations as well. That's our initial foray. We're also going to expand to different aspects, mid-mile and beyond, and moving along the transition from fuel to renewables to hydrogen to an EV solution down the road as well. So it's very fascinating and interesting. And we're a very much a hybrid type of employee mix where we have half the company are drivers of these vehicles and half the company are corporate. And so the future of work and culture is at the epitome of what we're trying to do for two different types of workers. And that's just the beginning of what this future work is going to look like. You used the word fascinating, and that was what was in my mind. I was thinking, this is all so fascinating. So sometimes there's solutions out there where you're like, I never thought about the fact that someone would need to do that, like refueling fleets overnight, being more efficient about doing that, and also contributing to climate, obviously, is a big topic now, and I think is going to be an integral part 
in the future of work and how companies are responding and supporting the climate crisis that we're currently experiencing. So really incredible work. And and it sounds so cutting edge. I love hearing about it every time we connect and look forward to continuing to follow what Booster is doing. Thank you. Yeah, it's exciting. And like you said, it does overlay. I think all the future work is going to have some sustainability and climate control type of aspect to it. And so we're just doing our part to help improve that. And you mentioned your two primary employee types. You've got your drivers and you've got your headquarter team, for lack of a better word. Are there headquarters today? I don't even know. Not really. We call it knowledge workers and field ops, right? Those are the two buckets that we talk about. Got it. So how do you maintain a cohesive culture across those two groups? What are a couple of the things that you focus on? Yeah, I mean, I think the values are very critical too. And values are consistent across both areas and they play out in a different way. But I think if you understand the values and determine what the values mean and how you can drive the beliefs and the actions for it. So we have five values right now within the company. One is safety because safety first is so critical to everything we do. What we do now to reinforce that is every meeting at corporate or every meeting in the field, we start with a safety boost. And it doesn't have to be about driving, but anything that has a safety component to it, just to reinforce what that value means and how important it is for us. Integrity is one of our other values that is so important because doing the right thing when no one is looking, think about it. Like when you're fueling in yards at night, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. So you have to have integrity in everything you do. And same thing with a company as well to make sure that we can figure that out. The other value is excellence, where we want to make sure that we're always constantly raising the bar because if you raise the bar, you're going to improve things. And, you know, as a startup, you start out with doing a lot of band aid solutions, but now as we're growing, zero to one is different from one to 10. And so trying to raise the bar and provide excellent improvements to everything is kind of like the future of work too, is trying to figure out how you automate, how you do things in a more efficient way. That's one of our values as well too. The other one is be bold. And so every startup has to think big, right? And be bold doesn't mean that it's just like the new big idea. It's like every person can innovate in their role. The way I think about future of work is no matter what your role is, come in, do it really well, but then start thinking about how you can make it better, how you can make it more efficient, how you can do it in a way that's going to have more impact on the organization. So I think that boldness and innovation behind it is really important. And then the last one we have is stewardship, which is really about making sure that we hold that core to what we believe in and that the sustainability piece. So, you know, reinforcing that across the field as well. Incredible. Thank you for sharing those values. I love hearing how others use values as a guide for culture. And clearly that's part of the fabric of Booster. So really, really interesting to hear. All right. Here on the Fresh Take Show, we ask everyone the same five questions about the future of work. So Ron, are you ready to dive in? I'm ready to dive in. It is time to get fresh. Ron, how do you define the future of work? The way I think about future work, I've been thinking about this for a long time. And even in 2018, 2019, and the pandemic overnight made the future of work happen immediately. And so the way I think about it is it's the intersection of like who does the work, how you do the work, and then when and where does that work happen, right? So if you think about it from all those different aspects, you know, who does the work and kind of boosters a little bit in that platform where you have field ops and you have corporate there's going to be a lot of contractors. There's going to be these gig workers. And you know people are going to come in and out of your organization. So how do you make sure you have a, a full perspective of who does the work? You know How the work is done. You know Today, 
A lot of it is AI, it's automation, things that, you know, potentially robotics. One of my last companies that I worked at had a robotic component to pizzas at one point. So if you think about it, it's how is this work going to be more improved, more streamlined, and help move the needle in developing more profits, more products that are better for the environment, as well as allowing people to move away from their core job and think about more the strategic areas versus the mundane and repetitive tasks. And then where the work is done, we're seeing that play out now in this remote environment. I mean, it's not done in the office all the time anymore or at the plant. It's at home. It could be on the road. It could be in a co-working space where people get together. And I think this employee mix combined with the tools that we have is going to help drive better career development. The way I think about it, career development is really an opportunity engine. The opportunity is the type of work that people do. And then you have to take advantage of that. Like, what is your talent that you have within a company? How do you make sure that you bring out that talent and mold that talent upon a journey? And if you marry the talent with the opportunity, it's the sum that's greater than the parts, right? And I think that's going to really help move the future of work forward. So in a nutshell, I think it's that intersection of three, how, where, and who is doing the work that's really going to be challenging and exciting to see how it plays out. So thinking about how those variables also change over time, as the chief people officer of a business, how do you not let that overwhelm you? Yeah, it's it's challenging at times because especially in a startup, you have a certain cash that you have to play with, right? And so you have to think creatively of how to bring people into the mix to meet the goals and the achievements that you're trying to build for the company. And usually in the early days, you want to have people that maybe they're not employees, but maybe they have some contract experience. So you get that knowledge in place early on to start building your roadmap to the products, right? And then as you start scaling, you want to bring in people that can stay with the company and really see around the corners and build upon that initial type of the reps that you've built. And so it's the challenge of trying to match the budgets that you have along with the milestones that you have to move as fast as you can. Because when you're a venture-backed company like I've been most of my life, there's certain requirements that you need to fill at certain periods of time in order to raise money. So you have to balance of investing early or putting people in that can just get the job done immediately and then leave the company. And very formulaic process where you can say, oh, this is A plus B equals C. You have to really try things and make sure it works for you long term. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I also believe that with the talk of upskilling or reskilling people over time, that complexity is increasing too. That it's like, okay, well, then who is a candidate for that? And when do you start it? And how do you make sure the work still gets done while you're training people to be maybe in a different type of job or different type of role? And all, I think, part of the complicated yet exciting aspects around the future of work, as you shared. Yeah, I'll give you one example of what we've done. So right now, the trucking industry is probably as competitive as the engineering and tech industry. It's hard to find truck drivers. For us, you have to have a certain CDL license and you have to be HAZMAT certified. Well, it's challenging to find them because there's no loyalty to companies. They're looking for certain dollars. So what we've done is put in a lot of well-being for our drivers. So giving them not just health benefits, but also mental health benefits, also financial wellness benefits, musculoskeletal types of scenarios to make them feel like you're really investing in them. That's one thing we've done. But the other thing is when supply is low, instead of trying to squeeze out every little corner of what the supply is there, is develop new supply. 
So what we've done is we've created our own CDL Academy. So we're taking non-drivers and then providing them with this skill through a two-month process to become hazmat certified and CDL certified. So we piloted this in Orange County in the fall and 18 people went through that whole process and came out at the end. And as of today, 17 are still with the company, which is insane retention. What you do is you get this loyalty. We're investing in you. You're going to invest in us. Where attrition with drivers is very high. So we piloted in Orange County. Now we're starting it in other areas of the organization. But that's a way of developing new skills for people that they're going to feel embedded to you. And then after they go through that program, we've taken drivers and put them into corporate roles as well, too. On my team, we have two recruiters that were ex-drivers that are doing very well because they understand that market. They can speak the language and that's a good place for them. We also had someone in our sales org that was a sales manager for SMB and mid-market and they wanted to try something new. I think sales and recruiting is very similar. She's now our lead sales recruiter and doing an amazing job. So you're always thinking about if someone is doing well in their job and they want to learn more, give them the opportunity. Because as we've talked about, there's a lot of attrition. There's a lot of opportunity for people. People in the tech world move every 12 to 18 months. And so what I find fascinating is how can we have them move and develop within a company? So they're moving roles every 12 to 18 months. And so that's about this upskilling, reskilling, and really understanding what strengths and what interests people have. So Ron, I'm going to present you with a magic wand right now. No one can see this, but I'm handing you the wand. What is one thing you personally would want to see change about work life right now? You know, I was thinking about this the other day too. For me personally, I think if you have an employer that says, hey, you employee, you have six goals or milestones you have to achieve for the year, right? And so the way I would do it was go live anywhere, travel the world, but then you know you have these milestones you have to achieve. So you're working on it as you're traveling, as you're doing things, and that you present it and you hit all your milestones, but you're doing it when you feel like it's ready. As long as you know what the deadlines are, you can kind of live your life in a certain way that you're not beholden to a certain location. You're not beholden to a deadline of every week or every day. You just have that one milestone that's maybe every two months. And it's on your time. You can do it at night. You can do it in the morning. You can do it in Europe. You can do it in the Bay Area. That to me is what the new world is like. It's like you give people goals and let them figure out how to do it. And as long as you get the goals, then everything should be fine. I don't think that's realistic right now, but I think that's what the future could be. What do you think? I think you're right. I think more and more people are recognizing that like, hey, I get into my flow state at like 6 or 7 p.m. So that's not part of the workday, but that's when I feel the most creativity or I, I'm just all of a sudden able to work most efficiently. And why can't that be the reality? So I, I think there's a lot of good in what you're saying that be outcomes focused, be goal oriented. And this is about progress, but it doesn't really matter when you're doing it or where you're doing it, as long as you're getting the progress done. I think there's got to be probably a good framework in place for the check-ins because you wouldn't want to be surprised at that two-month check-in to be like, oh, you've done nothing. Great. So now the company is very behind. But I think you're right. I think we're headed there. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, I didn't think about all the nuances, but that would be the ideal. So you're absolutely right. So as far as fresh takes go, freedom, resourcefulness, empathy, simplicity, and happiness, 
Which area, Ron, do you see as the most pressing right now as we think about the future of work and that evolving employer-employee dynamic? I think you call it freedom. I would kind of use it as flexibility. I think people expect flexibility in the type of work they're doing, when they do their work, where they do their work. And I think that combined with simplicity is the holy grail, which makes people happy. It's all about their well-being. In this day and age too, when you're on back-to-back Zoom, sometimes you're working more hours, but you're not doing the commute or you're not doing different things. So as long as you really focus on making life simple for people, making it flexible for people, they're going to be more happy than not. And that leads to productivity, that leads to engagement, and that leads to what companies want. I think the old days is like in-person means that you can control things a little bit better. You can see progress. But now when people are out of sight, out of mind, it's hard for a lot of CEOs to get comfortable with that. But I think if you provide these three options and have the right check-ins and have the right protocols in place, you're going to get more out of employees and you're probably going to retain and get the best people. Yeah. Good ones. I'll let it slide that you're changing my freedom to flexibility because I do think we're saying the same thing there. But yes, it's like flexibility is what, you know, you can't open an article today without reading about how people are demanding flexibility from their employers. The simplicity piece, I think, is where employers are getting tripped up because we're people. We tend to overcomplicate everything. We overanalyze, we overthink. And the simplicity concept really started to stick with me when I read this book years and years ago about the AOR for Apple when Steve Jobs was the CEO. And they talked about how Steve would walk into the room and hear a pitch about a new product or a campaign. And then he would just kind of deadpan, not a lot of emotion, typically, sometimes a lot of emotion, but he would just say, we need to hit this with the simple stick. And I just loved that visual of like, we got to hit this with the simple stick. We're just totally overcomplicating it. And I think that's what we need to really reflect on right now is how do we simplify things that we're probably overcomplicating because we're thinking about edge cases or, well, this one wormhole that might (laughs) occur inside a specific program or policy. Instead, I think simplicity and treating people like adults is really what they're asking for. And that leads into the freedom flexibility side of things. It's funny because I am the same way because people always solve for that edge case. I always say solve for what is core, right? 90% is core. You're going to have 10% that are out of bounds. And then you'll deal with those on one off, but solve for what the core problems and core issues are. And life is going to be much more simpler, much easier for people. And you can get a lot of things done faster versus solving for every edge case. It's it's impossible to solve for those things. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So thinking about managers. People leading teams right now. The world has changed notably, and for just about every role type out there. What advice would you have for people as they're leading in this new world? One of the things about managers is that most people join and stay because of managers. And so if managers are not at their best, you're not going to have a successful organization. And so Managing in this environment is you have to learn new skills because before you could do it in person, now you have to understand, develop, coach in a remote world. It's not easy. So I I would say that communication, developing better communication, not only on Slack channels or through email, but even in person over video, because I've heard a lot of people say, I talk to my manager on video and then I meet the person live. It's a totally different experience. And so you have to be self-aware 
of how you come across your body language. And in video, you can be doing a lot of different things. You could be having a one-on-one conversation, but then you're slacking somewhere. You have to focus. I think the biggest advice is when you are in a meeting, give yourself full attention to what that meeting is. People are going to appreciate it. They're going to respect you. It's going to go a long way. And I think people are trying to do too many things at one time and you don't have that focus. I think the other piece is the flexibility that we talked about is that you have to give employees more flexibility. Make sure you do the right check-ins, give them deadlines, but let them work at the pace that they are and in the manner that they are. And as long as if there's updates and you feel like there's a sense of commitment, I always say as a manager is I don't want any surprises. So I don't care how you do things, but if there's some issue that's going to come up, I don't want to be blindsided by it. And if you get that rapport with people, usually people respond pretty well because no one wants a micromanager. And I think a lot of managers in this day and age try to micromanage because they physically can't see you and can't be around you. And so if you have that mindset, try to break it, try to say, hey, let go. If you have a weekly check-in, that's good. And if something's not working in that check-in, then you course correct. And the other big piece is that don't just talk about work with your employees. Talk about how they're feeling, what's going on in their life. Because there's a lot of things that people didn't have before. I mean, during COVID, you had the remote education too for kids. I mean, that's a whole different ballgame. You don't know what is going on in people's lives. And just be empathetic, understand, but check in with them. Because even that check-in say, how are you doing? That kind of eases the tension and really has a very open and honest conversation, you can eventually get to the work. But I really think is caring about the person, understanding about all your different teammates, and make sure that you have the right coverage as well, too, is don't talk to one of your directs five times a week and talk to the others one time a week, is be consistent and be open and honest with people. So that's my take and advice for managers. All great advice. So many things packed in there. I'll need to go back and re-listen to make sure I'm taking ample notes, but it sounds like you're overarching theme is be a listener, be focused, be human, and then good things come from that. So I think it's great advice. Great summary. Yep. So my final question for you, Ron, is a company you admire for their fresh take. Yeah, I thought about this. There's a few companies, but I'd say if I had to pick one, I would pick Salesforce. And the reason I'd say Salesforce is there's a stat that came out earlier this year that 85% of the roles that they are hiring for are filled with internal folks. That's pretty amazing. And the reason being is because they're allowing people to grow, allowing people to develop. So you're giving people resourcefulness to figure out how to do new things, right? You're making it pretty simple where you're not hiring from outside. You're impacting that. If you come to this organization, we're going to develop you. We're going to believe in you. You're going to be happier in that type of environment. You're going to feel like We care about you a little bit more. And so that's the reason why I picked Salesforce is because they're really committed to growing their people. And if you look at their attrition, it's very low as well, too. So that's a company that I think is really utilizing that whole fresh approach. I love it. It does sound like they have quite a fresh take and maybe something we could all learn a bit from with low attrition and that internal mobility is certainly appealing for employees. Well, Ron, thank you for joining us today on the show. Really appreciate all of your perspectives. No, thanks, Jess. It was great to be on. And everyone else, thank you for listening in. Don't forget to stay fresh. 